0: Welcome to another episode on the Freedom Foil Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joe, and I am joined by my beautiful wife, Mary.
1: Hey, guys. It's
0: good to be back. It has been weeks. Have you forgotten about us? We're still here.
1: Oh, I thought you were asking me if you forgot about us. Why like, would
0: you forget about us?
1: I kind of did forget about you for a minute.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> You' talking about me or no, the viewers, the, the asshole? The podcast. <laughs>
1: well. Yeah, let's not pretend that two seconds ago we were just screaming at each other because <laughs> of these microphones.
0: We have the worst microphone stands known to man. They're that so should be a poorly whole designed.
1: I should post a picture <laughs> when we're done because and and truly ask like wh- who thought of it's this? It's horrible.
0: Like we have to have a little tiny three pound dumbbell. It's to a hold counterweight up the, because you put yeah. the
1: microphone in, and the the hev- the bulk of the weight in the microphone is obviously in the front. Yeah, and it protrudes out and pulls the tripod forward, so you just get smacked in the face. Yeah,
0: it's super annoying. Very, very annoying.
1: And that's how we started the episode.
0: Well, it's good to be back. As you guys know, we always say this isn't our full-time gig, so there may be weeks, you know, or we're not doing something. But Years, we, months. Well, maybe. I don't know about that, but we will Decades. always try to come back because... I, I, you know what? I have to thank you guys because I have been pestering Mary now for weeks thanks to all of your comments and messages. Guys, let a- me just say this. It makes it sound like I'm like, an asshole and a- I hate a- the everyone podcast. Everyone was like, what's going on? Where's the podcast? I want to
1: say- We need conspiracies. I also want to say thank <laughs> you for your concern and your comments that come back. It I, was
0: really nice, No, actually. seriously.
1: I, I appreciate it more than anything that people actually enjoy listening. My- thing that, that makes this so hard is the recording part is the most fun, right? Yeah. But there's so much other stuff that goes into this. And Mary
0: does all the editing, it's which not is
1: not just like a it's just not like an off the cuff. Like a lot of podcasts I find, at least the ones I listen to are like, let's just like sit and chat. Yeah. This is like let's do rigorous research about a topic <laughs> we know nothing, well that I know nothing about. Yeah. Try to articulate an outline. Try to say and it's your points really correctly.
0: Topics. Oh yeah. And then let's just like
1: <laughs> we do these in the morning so it's like okay after we talk about this extremely depressing topic let's just do our day let's just do our day and oh let me just revisit the topic when i edit
0: if it makes you feel any better when youtube's throttling my content and nobody sees it uh no one is like hey what's going on where's the videos everyone's just like oh did you quit (laughs) So, they obviously like this content a lot better.
1: Did you quit? <laughs> uh, no, I'm actually working twice as hard as yeah, I usually do. No, yeah, but been.
0: yeah, fuck me, right?
1: Well, you know, it's fine. I, so, yeah.
0: Speaking of that, if you do want to check out my links, okay, so they're such a baby brat. go
1: to my links.
0: <laughs> they are. They are in the bio along with all the links to the research. No, uh, guys, he do. really
1: does kill it. I'm. I'm. I sounds so bitchy. He is killing it on youtube lately i appreciate he has, it literally just thinking back of when you started your youtube channel the firearm freedom channel and to now the the quality of the video the time he puts in it the effort thank you and congrats you're now being sponsored sometimes by yeah. like certain it's just cool to see so guys I, go check I him really out give him a follow that. give him a subscribe Give them a like,
0: man! All those shameless plugs. Thank you. You're We're welcome. also you deserve it. Uh, just about to go live with some awesome t-shirts um, for so fi-
1: for firearm freedom, firearm freedom, firearm yes. freedom, firearm
0: <laughs> freedom. But there is some conspiracy-related stuff in there that I know you guys will like. So stay tuned for when that link drops. Uh, this uh, episode, I'm actually pretty excited about. Got to give a shout out to my good buddy who gave me this idea off of a newspaper article. Like but just the but, fact that he reads the newspaper, I'm like, you know what? I will all right, say I it's so it funny
1: because, well, first of all, we have to give that back to him, but because yeah. we've had it for weeks now. But I thought that it was like an I thought it was like an old newspaper, so I was like I was like reading through it, but then I was looking at the no, other, it's a brand I know, new. Yeah, I know. it's the uh, well, uh,
0: epoch epoch time. No, I, I, know, I know, and I was it.
1: looking at the other articles, and I'm like, oh, this is really wait.
0: Yeah, dude, I'm going to subscribe to it just to just to get a newspaper. I was
1: just so um, confused at first because I'm like, I thought this was from like the 90s or something. No,
0: No. but Tim, shout out to you, buddy. This episode is going to be on the Oklahoma City Bombing.
1: Uh, yeah. And zing, it's zing, zing. definitely depressing. <laughs> it is depressing. So but I do appreciate,
0: <laughs> I do appreciate the article. This kind of started uh, relatively new. We're not going to go into the article right now. We're going to finish with that article. Um, but that's the first time I was reading through the Epoch Epoch Times. They, they have, you know, Where a website. So their thing is basically like Unbiased journalism. Oh, I was
1: going to say that article did not yeah, seem the, like a normal like New York Times. It's like
0: definitely, I would say more conservative leaning, but they're just ultimately trying to report on the things that mainstream newspapers. Where is it stuff. out?
1: Like, where is it based in?
0: Uh, I don't know. Epoch. I, yeah, Epoch Times. It's in the United States, um, but you can subscribe to their newsletter, and I think you can do it like electronically, or they actually like send you a newspaper every week. It's so
1: weird to see newspapers on people's yeah. driveways. It was it's fun like, to read through the newspaper. Oh, I love though. holding a newspaper. Yeah. All right. So uh, can where, I get Where are the, we starting? Well, yeah. well, of course, you know, our love-hate relationship with Wiki, we always talk about, it, but we do usually start there because... Run they us through the Wiki. They just, like, give a good overview of, like, here's the top line summary of what we're about to talk about. I thought they did a good one with this. So I'll just read that. And Joe's the expert. So he can kind of go into the more detail. So at this is very detailed at nine Oh two AM central standard time on April 19th, 1995, a Ryder rental truck. So R Y D E R rental truck containing more than 6,200 pounds equaling 2,800 kilograms
0: for all those people that didn't make it to the moon. (laughs) (laughs)
1: of ammonium nitrate fertilizer nitromethane and diesel fuel mixture was detonated in front of the north side of the ninth story alfred p murrah federal building the attack claimed 168 lives and left over 600 people injured whoa
0: yeah a lot of a lot of people unfortunately died that day and i should state that a lot of Regular civilians died that day because none of those numbers uh, in my estimation were any sort of federal agents meaning FBI or FBI family members or ATF agents and their family members. But federal employees. Federal employees. So
1: the first time I heard about this topic, I think we were watching a documentary about it on Netflix. Yeah,
0: right around the time of uh, the PBS documentary that we watched on Ruby Ridge. And I think that same PBS station did one on Waco. Um, They did one, or no, it was the Waco miniseries, I want to say and in that they touched on Oklahoma City and Timothy McVeigh. Oh. Remember? Yeah, yeah it, it oh. wasn't like a whole thing. They just touched on it as oh. his like kind of motivator, which we'll get into. Interesting. Yeah, so they didn't even do like a full documentary series. Well, I know they
1: definitely didn't talk that. about conspiracies. They just kind of gave you no, a high level. No, yeah, and that's kind you... of like this wiki page though. I was actually before we dive in, I was pretty impressed with how unbiased it did seem, and how well, they did. Well, no, kind of... I mean,
0: what they're reporting here is the ma- the basic out there incident, like start to finish. What mainstream? Like, if you were a young adult in '95 or something, this would be what you. Would... I
1: think it talks about investigations. It talks about it mentions the guy that we're gonna talk oh, about. Oh, you newspaper know what? You're article. right. Yeah,
0: because there's U.S. federal uh, government involvement.
1: But up Uh, top. So let's talk about shortly after the explosion, a state trooper stopped a 26-year-old man named Timothy McVeigh for driving without a license plate and arrested him for unlawfully carrying a weapon. Yep. And then days later, Terry Nichols, an old army friend of McVeigh's, was arrested as well, and they both ended up being charged for committing the bombing. Um, investigators said that their motive was to retaliate against the government's handling of Waco and Ruby Ridge, which both topics we have covered. So go go make sure you check out those episodes to get the scoop on that. Yeah, uh, again and get v- the scoop scoop very, on Be very 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 sad dark stories both of yep. those. Yep. Um, and the Oklahoma City bombing occurred on the second anniversary of Waco, actually. So um, McVeigh was actually. Ultimately executed by lethal injection on June 11 thousand one, and allegedly, Nich- and Nichols sen- was sentenced to life in prison. Um, you want to get into those additional conspirators?
0: Yeah. So, and you know, this, this is interesting. This was very interesting because I was speaking to some of the guys at work who are not a baby like me in the grand scheme of things, and were actually like alive and walking mm-hmm. around fully at that time. And they remember fully on the news, everyone talking about John Doe, number two. And yes. in one of the videos that we watch for research, you hear it mentioned all over the place by the n- news, mm-hmm. John Doe, number two. Who was the number two man that I think 23 or 24 witnesses,
1: Several witnesses yeah, reported saw
0: in the rider truck. So they saw two people. And now, one we of them told, mean
1: McVeigh, other, and right, there's this other character,
0: right? And now we are told that basically, um, it, it is just McVeigh in the rider truck.
1: No, but 1997, so two years after the bombing, it yeah. seems the FBI arrested a man named Michael Bress Brescia. Um, he was a member of the Aryan P- Republic Army, and he actually resembled an artist rendering from eyewitness accounts of the second John Doe. Later, they released him, reporting that their investigation had indicated that he wasn't involved. Yeah. So weird enough to arrest the man, but then somehow nothing. Yeah.
0: Led to nothing. Right.
1: So Carol Howe is an informant for the ATF who actually ended up infiltrating a white supremacist enclave. Yeah, Ella, Eloheim, Elohim, Elohim. She
0: was uh, FBI, right, or ATF? Uh, in,
1: informant for the ATF. ATF. Okay. So I don't know how to pronounce that. It's L O H I M City, Oklahoma. A- Elohim, Elohim. I don't know. Um, she rep- she filed a report in January of nineteen ninety five, yeah. um, and stated that Andreas Strassmier. So, security chief had spoken about destroying a federal building. So, he was, sorry, security chief of this white supremacist enclave. And he spoke about destroying a federal building and had visited the Murrah building with another man. So, okay, how... Wasn't
0: he, like, a German um, uh, uh, citizen or something like that? Like, he wasn't even um, a U.S. citizen. I think he he himself was working for the feds, Right.
1: Well, it's crazy because then, like two days after the bombing, this informant, Carol, inf- reminded the ATF of that earlier report and was like, Hey, guys, remember when I went and infiltrated this white supremacist group? And this guy literally admitted to yeah. going to this building. Yeah. Uh, and they just and kind they of
0: totally just swept it right uh, under the right rug. Right under the yeah. rug.
1: Yeah. Right under the rug. Which is
0: where it starts to and get And Nick Vay actually was
1: known to have telephoned the Elohim City, the white supremacist group, two weeks before the bombing. Yeah. And yeah. Jane Graham, an employee at the bombed building, later identified Andreas Strasmere of Elham City. As a suspicious man, she had seen in the building before the bombing, and her observations were ignored by authorities. Of course. So, okay, there's, like, just a snippet into, or just a look into all of the people with actual hard evidence of yeah. a second person, not only a second person, but the exact second person, a guy literally saying, yeah, I was there with another man. Yeah. yeah. Come on.
0: Right. Yeah, well, and now, so the, the wiki page goes starts to go into the conspiracies, Um, because there's a lot of different theories. A lot of them say, you know, McVeigh and Nichols had possible foreign connection or co-conspirators. And this was due to the fact that Terry Nichols traveled through the Philippines while terrorist mastermind Ramsey Youssef of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing was planning another plot. Um, And so there's a lot of different connections here. Um, Now, just... Quickly, I, I did want to just stop here and give a, pr- a brief overview on McVeigh, and I didn't give you any anything about Mc, McVeigh in, in an article or anything. I just want to yeah. touch on this because people might not know. You, so, are, you know more about this. McVeigh was in the military. Um, he went in the military at the age of 20 in 1988. He enlisted in the United States Army, attended basic training at um, uh, Fort Benning in Georgia, And basically, in his spare time, apparently, he started to read about firearms, sniper tactics, and explosives. Um, He was reprimanded by uh, the military for purchasing a white power t-shirt, allegedly. Um, And it was basically at a Ku Klux Klan rally. Now... Um, McVeigh was a top scoring gunner with the 25 millimeter cannon. So he, he worked on a Bradley vehicle, which is just, you know, a big, I, am not going to get into the details. It's a large vehicle. There was a 25 mil cannon on top. So that was his job as kind of the gunner for that. He did a very good job, uh, with that. He was promoted to sergeant. Um, after being promoted, he earned a reputation of assigning undesirable work to black servicemen and using racial slurs. Um, so he was then stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas, and then he was deployed to Operation Desert Storm. So that's where he did uh, a majority of you know his stuff. Um, he went into saying how shocked he was of, of basically the horrors of war, um, seeing the U.S. military involvement. He talked about disagreeing with a lot of the things that he was told to do. Um, he did a definitely a few other things there, um, and then he
1: like bad things.
0: Uh, no, like he got accommodations and other things. I don't think it's really oh he had other activity to, in the yeah, military. to, to go yep. through everything. Um, but then he wanted to be in the Army Special Forces um, after returning from the Gulf War. He went to the program, the selection program, um, and. This is the official story is that he didn't make it through, decided to leave, then was honor- honorably discharged in 1991.
1: Funny enough.
0: right. So that's where his military career on paper ends. was that? Mm-hmm. Now the cons- but,
1: but I said funny enough because there's actual video evidence of him in a tanker with not well well, in
0: a bradley in a bradley in
1: 1993
0: exactly yeah now so i've seen someone
1: explain that
0: i've seen the video i tried doing all my research to find the actual video that the original uh news reporter because the news reporter had nothing to do with oklahoma city he Mm -hmm. was just interviewing something like it was he was doing a side video military sure about the military and he looked at the video and was like, "Holy shit!
1: That's McVeigh! That's
0: McVeigh!" And he said in person, "It sounded like him and all this other stuff." Now, I did see an Alex Jones interview with the dude, and they only showed a little clip it—the same clip it that was in the video that you know that we watched that four minute video. You just
1: mixed "clip" and "snippet" and made the word yeah, clip, "clip it." it. Clip oh, it. okay. You see what I'm
0: saying? Sure. I, I do the I do the mixing words by accident So, no. So I looked at the video and I, I don't know it's so tough to tell cuz it's like a 2 second clip of of the face it does look very similar let's say it's but, real
1: let's say it's real right yeah. would it not work for the government in this case if he was if he was disconnected from the military for that amount of time so yeah. let's say he he did leave in 91 that's like a good 4 year Disconnection for him to really get revved up. Well, and with it's the wa-
0: perfect because he got discharged with
1: dishonorably. Uh, w- no, no, and-
0: he got discharged honorably. Oh, I thought you he- said dishonorably. No, honorably discharged. Oh, okay. But he left with being known as a racist, using racial slurs, buying shirts from the Ku Klux Klan at rallies. He like was
1: he- at Waco too. Didn't he go to Waco and yes, watched it all? Yeah.
0: So he's he's already building this narrative. I would say, for the government uh, in this case. To yeah, but be let's not... To, okay,
1: okay. let me put on my like fighter cap here. I mean, let's not act like this guy is a saint. I'm sure he... He's not a saint. He, he probably a saint. was a white supremacist, and he, he very probably well was... Could be. He very well could I'm be. What I'm saying is, th- th- when the government is picking their scapegoat, yeah. why would they pick a normal, regular, very nice, true. everyday man? They're going to pick the person that's like... Yeah. The easiest, the the fall into their narrative, the easiest. How can we plug this guy into our narrative? Oh, he's already a white supremacist. He's he's already kind of not the the greatest guy. He's already not liked by a lot of people. Let's just plug him into our little story and it'll be easy.
0: Well, and that brings us into, because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, okay, I know the official story. Uh, Where's the conspiracy? uh, One more point. What what
1: I was trying to say is that, like, he's, this is not a Ruby Ridge situation. Right. whereas you got um, a normal dude sorry what was the name of the, the Randy the Weaver yeah Randy Weaver so normal guy to to you know well, what's the definition of normal right a guy that didn't have ill intentions he just right. wanted to live on a mountain with his family right or so it seems then you have Timothy McVeigh who is not of the same co- build like it's just a different yeah. situation in yeah. my eyes
0: absolutely now when we get into um there's a lot of different avenues you could take. And I will fully agree, uh, or not agree, but, uh, you know, disclose that up until maybe a year or two ago, uh, before I really started digging into the conspiracies, I fully bought the standard Oklahoma City story because they did such a great job at lining up the fact... I mean, dude, you guys heard how passionate I was about Waco and Ruby Rich, So to me... Although I did not agree at all with McVeigh's, uh, you know, ultimately what he did moral or his, beliefs. Or his uh, moral beliefs or anything like that. I could see the anger and the frustration. And then they tell you like, hey, he served in the military. He saw some sketchy shit that the U.S. military was doing. He got angered by that. He was at Waco. And that is absolutely a fact that McVeigh was standing on the highway. You could see Waco in the background. As and
1: like a spectator. As
0: a spectator. And he's talking about how frustrated he is with that. He talks about, um, you know, seeing the building burned down and wanting to pay back the government.
1: Oh, their narrative and was... It was
0: perfect. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, dude, yeah, like, I. And again, sure. that's not
1: saying you agree with McVeigh. At, at all. Right. It's just saying, oh, wow, that seems I
0: could buy the story. Totally. I could totally buy the story. And that's from somebody who's on, obviously, the more conspiracy side. And I still could buy the story. Now, when you start getting into... Uh, federal agencies, mainly the FBI, uh, sometimes the ATF too, but the FBI has multiple narratives to infiltrate groups in the United States and ultimately incite violence so that they can come in like superheroes wearing capes and stop the act right before it happens and the violence actually occurs. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to, it's almost like, if you had let's say uh, let's break it down real basic you had like somebody standard law enforcement officer right and they were on the highway let's say a standard state trooper and they got in a car with you and it was like your buddy right and they they were like hey i know it says 55 but like dude go 95 like what what's the point of going 55 i really think you should go 95 there's no cops here Like, just go 95. And the moment you hit 95 or like 85, they pull out their radar and they're like, Whoa, dude, you were speeding on my highway. Like, get out of the car. Yeah. It's the same shit. That's exactly what the FBI was was trying to do. Well, it worked in their favor.
1: McVeigh was pissed. He saw things he didn't like. He was already revved up. He already had his own narrative in his mind of how the government worked and this and that and getting back. He almost, in my mind, probably if he was approached, Let's yeah. say that's the story. Right. He would have been all about it.
0: Right. so To that, be the
1: face of getting back at the government.
0: Right. He now, was into it. Now, to, to clear up what we're saying there, we're saying that McVeigh may have been, so this is one of the conspiracies, that McVeigh may have been with one of the local militia groups, right? And then in those militia groups, there was informants. federal informants yeah. or there were uh, undercover federal agents that were coercing and enticing McVeigh and Nichols into the plan. Where to get the explosives, how to steal them, where to put them together, where to rent the truck. They may have even rented the truck for them. Not the FBI with FBI shirts, but the FBI informant to really set it all up. And then McVeigh gets motivated enough. He goes there. He does it. That, you know, the the official story about the explosives that were used, all that may have been accurate, but it was incited by the FBI, and maybe they didn't get there in time, and, you know, that ended up happening, and blah, 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 that's all she wrote, right? So that's one of the conspiracy theories. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that, personally. Uh, my theory goes a little bit deeper than that, as we're going to touch on here in a second, but that is one of the main ones.
1: Mm, I mean, that sounds funny. Me.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. So-
1: <laughs> God, you guys. All right. So- I thought that was. I thought that was the whole thing.
0: No, uh, no, no, no,
1: no. First episode back is gonna be three hours long. Here we go. No.
0: Okay. What? So, are, yeah. What do we got?
1: I was just gonna say. So as we're talking about the federal government, like involvement. Um. So there's in 1993, there was a letter that McVeigh wrote to his sister that they published in the New York Times in Here's 98. Here's where it gets interesting. McVeigh claimed in that letter that during his time at Fort Bragg. He and nine others were recruited into a secret black ops team that smuggled drugs in the United States to fund covert activities and were to hand in to work hand in hand with civilian police agencies to quiet anyone whom was deemed a security risk.
0: In other words, he was recruited by the CIA.
1: Uh, yeah. So I, I don't understand why you don't believe that.
0: I do believe that.
1: You just said that the whole the whole no, host... no,
0: no, <laughs> no. No, no, no. Go back and listen to what I said. I said that with that he was that story says that he was not working for the government that he got discharged that he joined a militia and he was just an angry person. Oh, oh, you mine see what I'm is, saying? He's
1: still involved in the government. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying okay. too. Okay. My my point is that the baseline conspiracy. Like when we get into I, 9/11 I'm with you. shit. I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah, when we get into 9/11 shit, it's the same way. They they give you a little rice crumb, rice crumb, hmm. bread crumb, rice crumb. Rice crumbs are even littler. Imagine a little rice crumb.
1: <laughs> can't even see it. They can't
0: even see it. I'm in there shaving a piece of rice. So, For
1: Princess or
0: So, no, they, they'll give you a little breadcrumb of a conspiracy and they make it just believable enough that the like basic bitch conspiracy theorists out there will be like, oh, yeah, I could see that. Oh, but, look at you. No, okay. So then
1: Nichols <laughs> alleged that McVeigh reported in December of 1992 how he, quote, had been recruited to carry out undercover mis- missions. Yeah. Paragraph 10, which of the, the letter, initially involved visiting gun shows and making contact with a loose network of anti-government and far-right sympathizers. This undercover activity allegedly escalated to armed robberies and a planned bombing under the direction of FBI agent Larry A. Putz. Yeah. So. So okay, this this storyline is is what I'm going with.
0: I agree. In my mind, I agree one hundred. It makes the most
1: sense, right? So they're gonna they're going to falsely honorably discharge. So they're going to make it seem like he was discharged from yeah. the from the military. He wasn't, he was still involved. And then he just kind of kept getting pulled into things, pulled into things to a point of, he was so involved that it led, it started with little, little jobs, right? Let's see what he can do. Let's see if McVeigh has the ability to carry out something as large as this, you know, tremendously huge terrorist attack, if you will. Now, I think because it, he probably did a good job in the eyes of the government in, in doing yeah. these little tasks that they felt that he could essentially be the face, be the scapegoat, yeah. carry out this this thing.
0: And maybe even he himself wanted to be the scapegoat.
1: Right. Well, that's the thing. So yeah. it's like it all works together in their favor, the right. government's favor.
0: And uh, when you look at this, it's, it's very ironic because this theory essentially is stating that... <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, McVeigh is not anti-government in any way, shape, and form, uh, or form, but is actually incredibly pro-helping uh, the government in these missions and kind of felt it was his patriotic duty to continue on for the CIA for all of these undercovers. And remember, what Thanks. a tough
1: thing to realize. So, okay, let's actually take this back and frame it like, okay, 26. That's how old I am right now. Yeah. I would, da- I would not say by any means... Am I like, root? I mean, eh. it's hard to explain. So 26 years old, you're just about to be completely rooted, your moral values, your political beliefs, your beliefs yeah. in the world. You're starting to be on your own. You're full on adult, blah, blah, blah. All these points, meaning he was still on that brink. He was teetering right. probably, right? Right. And he could have been probably coerced or pulled into one direction or the other. Yeah. At a younger age, I mean, twenty six is quite young, right? And then he just—I mean, we never heard from him after he was arrested and lethally killed. Well,
0: and so, and I—I I tried to find evidence of this, and there is there is none that I can find, at least on the mainstream. But in one of the um, uh, videos we were watching, and other things like that, there there is allegedly um, uh, prison staff that said that he still had a heartbeat after the lethal injection and it was found that his hearse was actually mm. a, a decoy vehicle so and here here's the thing like this is one thing to question with this conspiracy and in any others see how, what do you got I what don't believe
1: going? that because why would the government want to keep him alive
0: because he's still working for him why why, can, how why perfect, would they how risk perfect it? to no. have somebody that's dead? To have somebody that's dead working for you. That what, everyone what knows your
1: face. No, that's I don't true. buy that. I mean, or, I don't buy that. Or it, maybe they have the government has their pick and choose of the whole entire world, and they decide, how, oh, let's just keep this one guy whose face was yeah, plastered all how over the would news. He,
0: uh, all right, maybe he's not still working for them, but how would he agree to do this and then agree to be lethally injected at the very end?
1: I. That's my point. So I, I think they were told. I think he was told do this, and you're just going to keep climbing that ladder, buddy. That we're could gonna, be the case, We're going to just keep giving you promotion after promotion and you're doing your dude, your your duty for our... Co- blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then, yeah, he gets caught up and then they're like, well, sorry. Yeah. And I'm sure he was not expecting it, maybe? I
0: don't I'd, know. I mean, that could be the case. At the
1: end of the day, though, I don't want to gloss over the that this man, whether it was his idea or the government's idea or whatever it was, yeah. still agreed yeah. to be involved oh, in, a, in a, an extremely horrific massacre yeah. of very innocent people. As yes. we have mentioned, yep. this is not okay. No, no. He, I mean, I believe in some regard, whether you believe in the death penalty or not, he ultimately kind of, I mean, he, does, he got oh, what I, he deserved. Yeah, I totally agree. I, it's not like... I mean, for instance, like my mom, I don't, she wasn't a federal employee, but she worked in a state building. Yeah. I couldn't imagine right. she was just, she was, obviously my mom is not part of any three letter agencies. I couldn't imagine if she was working at one day just totally doing her agree. daily, daily routine. And of course, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. My only thing that gets me frustrated is that all the others were not held accountable. That that's oh, thing it, that No, exactly.
1: I'm just saying it's like hard to talk about these conspiracies because sometimes I feel like it comes off like we're trying to um give like leeway to the to the person. Yeah. Which we're not which trying we're not. to do at all. I just no. want to make that very clear. Yeah. Like this guy in my <laughs> what, I'm not a great guy.
0: What I was going to say is that with all of these conspiracies, were were any of us actually there interviewing McVeigh in the prison, of course, uh under a random thing there was uh some random um uh like decision court decision or whatever there was no autopsy performed so
1: and even if you were there say you were obviously there were several witnesses that mentioned a second john doe several several people pointed out a specific person fb or atf informant information reports picked out a specific person yeah still not enough who knows? So it's like you yeah. could have literally been there the day it happened watch this go down yeah. frame by frame yeah eh, still wouldn't right. still wouldn't still wouldn't do it justice yeah. for and the government it's like I, no that's, we, that's 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 ridiculous
0: we are at the mercy of what the television and computers show us basically unless you are actually there watching that lethal injection i i truly don't know that i believe he was actually Letally I just don't know what the
1: motivation day. would be to keep him alive. I don't
0: either. But with all the other um, BS with this, I don't know that I believe.
1: Or maybe that. they did really promise him a life after, and they were right. like, "Look, we're gonna fall. Fo- this is out. how you're yeah. going to quote unquote die in front of the public, and we're gonna get we're right. gonna send you to some send another cave country or whatever."
0: Yeah, exactly. So,
1: well, let's get into the investigation piece of it. So, in 2006, a U.S. Congressman, Dana. R- Rara Bakker <laughs> told CNN there's nothing wrong with adding to a conspiracy theory when there might be a conspiracy in fact. Yeah. So this is a U.S. congressman. Roram also <laughs> criticized the FBI for not explaining how Nichols who did not work steadily paid for his several trips to the Philippines and had $20,000 cash for not finding explosives concealed in Nichols house until a decade after the bombing for not explaining the rush to the rule out the rush to rule out the existence of John Doe number two and for not thoroughly investigating possible connections between McVeigh and the Aryan Republic army and Andreas Strassmere. So this congressman was like, okay, I'm going to yeah. call you out.
0: Yeah. Well, and not funny to mention... And, I mean,
1: funny it took him so long.
0: Not to mention as a side point. So, like, it, it it it's very odd. So, McVeigh plans all of this stuff out, does one of the largest bombings at that point in United States history, okay? Leaves the scene in a no-license-plate, beat-down vehicle with no... Like, you know you're going to get pulled over without a license plate, and he has a firearm in the car illegally. Like, what... You do all this planning. You successfully do that, and you're picked up with a vehicle with no license plate. Oh, no, like you almost, wouldn't have thought no. through the fact to have a uh, good getaway vehicle. And then on top of that, he like somehow the news, or in the
1: chaos. Why wouldn't you just go off on foot?
0: Right, and so the and with all of his military knowledge, like you would think, with the military knowledge, you would at least have some basic understanding of urban evasion. This is
1: this is not a rural. Uh, location. This is the city, right. obviously, so you have areas to duck right. and weave and, and hide and blah, blah, blah. There
0: were there were quite a few times that I've read uh, that we didn't go over in this, but that I've read he stopped at a gas station and asked for directions to the building.
1: No, it's almost like it's almost like the government was like, okay, how are we going to find him after the fact that there's going to be so much going on? People running around. Oh, let's just like take the license plate off well, his they, vehicle. They wanted It'll it, be super easy to pick his car out.
0: Well, and they wanted it to be easy for local law enforcement to pull him over. Yeah. Like, why would you make it difficult? They set the scene perfectly, but nobody questions like, wait, what? what? He got picked up and then literally not... Freaking Tanner twenty minutes after the explosion, we're already talking about the the reason for the explosion is because of AT or uh, the Waco raid and Ruby Ridge. Like how are you already piecing all of this together with almost no information? Narrative. The narrative
1: all. is already set. Yeah. It's almost like these these news stations were sent a script yeah. before the bombing.
0: Yeah. And of course, he does exactly exactly what is in the book, The Turner Diaries. Um, and and they they have pages of the Turner diaries ripped out, uh, and it's word from word in the Turner diaries. It's the FBI yeah. building. They steal the explosives from the same place that McVeigh Which does. Is,
1: yeah, so easy it, for him to be easy for the narrative to say, oh, he read the Turner diaries uh, right, and copied it. Right. Yeah. So in September, uh, in March of two thousand seven, Danny Coulson um, who served as deputy assistant director of the FBI at the time of the attacks, voiced his concerns and actually called for the reopening of the investigation. Yeah. And then on September twenty eighth, two thousand nine, this is where the article, the news article comes in as well, Jesse Trentdo, a Salt Lake City attorney, released security tapes that he obtained from the FBI through the Freedom of Information Act that showed the Murrah building before and after the blast from four security camera angles. So the tapes are blank at points before 9.02 a.m. and the time of detonation. The government's explanation for the missing footage is that the tape was being replaced at the time. Are you
0: fucking kidding me? So
1: Trentodou, exactly. Trentadu says four cameras in four different locations going blank at the same time on the morning of April 19th, 1995. There ain't no such thing ex- as inspection. There ain't no such thing as a coincidence, he says. Yeah.
0: And so, mind you, we have not had surveillance camera footage up until this point of the rider truck or of people getting oh, out so of 20, the truck.
1: Oh, two, uh, so 2009 is the first time we're seeing these?
0: Yes. And before this, because everyone was like, well, why don't we have surveillance camera footage of the, them getting out so of the almost vehicle? almost 15 years uh, later? Right. We don't have surveillance camera footage of them getting out of the vehicle in, you know, an FBI building. One would assume that there are surveillance cameras all over the building because the cameras were non-functional that day. No, they weren't saying... No, no, no. In where the rider truck was parked where they were, could visibly see them getting out but of I the But I saw vehicle. the
1: video. It shows McVeigh. Does it? Yes. Well, well okay, sorry. Right. It shows a person getting out of the Ryder truck. Yeah. Ryder trucks, okay, if, if you guys aren't familiar, obviously it's like a U-Haul, but Ryder is a different kind of company, but they're, they're these huge yellow trucks yeah. with a big red and black lettering on the side. Yeah. They're kind of hard to miss. Right. I mean-
0: so the, well, what I mean is the, and maybe that the, it came out in 2009 that the tape was just missing that that could have been it too. But before then they were saying that the cameras were non-functional right? because I've read that in a few different And again, places. that's an
1: easy narrative to agree to. Cause it's like, Oh, how wouldn't, how wouldn't they be destroyed in a huge no, bombing?
0: But the footage is, is digitally saved. Like it's saved is it digitally then? saved I believe so i mean on a they're talking area. about
1: switching tapes out these are like what recorded
0: I don't know dude I would just like the fact that the, and it's if you if you look on it at a larger scale okay the amount of different times in our more recent history where we have electronic surveillance cameras all over the place that a, a catastrophe like this happens like in 9-11 with the Pentagon, all this other shit, and they give the narrative that the cameras weren't working is unbelievable. Oh, I totally agree.
1: I'm just saying, how did they even get it? How did they retrieve it? The, if you've I seen pictures of the building, it's I think pretty much are, destroyed. I think
0: there are ways to... I don't know how. I, I don't know anything about I just security have, cameras, I'm, I'm but... Just,
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying it's very interesting that in 1995, if there's digitally stored footage on the cloud.
0: Yeah. Well, that's... no, I don't think it's on a cloud. Okay. I think we're pants. getting off into the weeds on a security camera thing.
1: So, yeah, we're getting off into the weeds about security cameras. The the the, the story p- that they presented point, yeah. to the public is that there were four tapes. They were... Um, by the freedom of information act acquired by Jesse Trent a Salt Lake city attorney. Yeah. He looked at the footage, the FBI story that this missing uh, pieces of this, this tape is that they yeah. were being switched out. That's yeah. the official story. So let's get into that conspiracy blog post, which I thought was nicely broken down. They, I really wanted to hit on the um, seven. The, yeah, the facts. Yeah, so these are the seven important facts that this blog outlines. Now, mind you, this is a blog. This is not a news article. This and is not some a. Some of
0: the facts are not accurate.
1: Okay, well, point them out. So, number one, in April 1995, the omnibus counterterrorism bill was struggling to get through the U.S. Congress after the Oklahoma City bombing occurred. The tragedy looked as though it had been a tailor-made. To rally public support for the tri- tyrannical bill, yeah, correct or agree uh, or disagree? That's what we should at say. At the time
0: that it was written, agree. It ended up not going through
1: okay. in modern time. So good, good, good fact there. Um, number two, the morning of the bombing, the ATF office located inside the Murrah building was empty—unheard of at 9 a.m. on a weekday. Accurate. Yeah, that's odd. And on top of
0: that, what they don't mention with that is that there were like a judge or a congressman or somebody in the opposing building on the opposite side of the street that were receiving calls that they should leave the building that day out of fear of potential terrorist attack.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, that is terrifying. Yeah,
0: but they didn't tell the, all the uh, the civilian. Could uh, you? I, I keep
1: going back employees. to this, but could you imagine just being a regular ass everyday person like doing clerical work on and your you're, desk you're at you're nine a.m. As, as you're, uh, you're just a victim of
0: of the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah.
1: Number three, Oklahoma Congress Congressman Ern, Ernest Eastock Eastock told a victim in a taped conversation in 1995 that the Oklahoma City bombing was a failed was a failed national security operation that used an FBI provocateur associated with a militia. Uh
0: I I would Remember, say Remember this is agree
1: or disagree. I
0: would say disagree because that's the narrative that, you know, McVeigh was basically just in a militia and like that's the like I said yes. the basic bitch conspiracy.
1: Okay. Number four, the ATF was already putting out a story that the Murrah building was bombed because of Waco only a few hours after the actual blast and before Timmy Tim, Timmy, Timmy Tim McVeigh was even arrested.
0: Uh, accurate. Yeah.
1: No, it's agree or disagree.
0: Agree. Agree.
1: (laughs) Number five, an unexploded bomb was found attached to a gas line inside the building and a FEMA memo reports at least two additional bombs were found in the Murrah building. Joe Harp, based on his military explosives experience, identified the additional bombs he saw removed from the building as being military in nature. I don't know who Joe Harp is. I
0: don't know either, but I do agree.
1: Must be like a bomb expert. Yeah. But yeah, I I read that in in some of the pieces that we did or some of the articles that we read through. And that right there obviously points to a larger conspiracy because how does tim mcveigh get into a building attach bombs to gas lines without being noticed and on
0: top of that um, and or
1: was he uh, yeah a federal employee and was able to access the building whenever he wanted or
0: on top of that we could talk very very briefly about the fact that a fertilizer bomb like in the rider truck oh. as said by multiple explosives experts Whether you want to believe it or not, would not have been capable of doing that amount of damage to that size building. Now I will argue.
1: I will argue. Could it that have been kind of like the catalyst for a gas line nearby, a whatever that just kind of like domino effect?
0: No, because none of that stuff was damaged. That's why they said it had to have been multiple explosions that did that, and a more powerful explosive. Uh, medium basically to do that amount of damage to the building.
1: Well, here, General Benton K. Parton, USAF, stated in his Oklahoma City bombing report to the U.S. Congress that the bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building was not caused solely by the truck bomb. The major factor in its destruction appears to have been detonation of explosives carefully placed at four critical junctures on supporting columns within the building.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the guy that invented the so ne- neutron bomb, bomb, bomb mm. uh, was was saying that as well. So I agree. Agree. agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, number seven. Last one here. Prior to the Oklahoma City bombing, U.S. Senator Arlen Specter, as well as Clinton's NSC director, Anthony Lake, had been advocating federal national security operations st- to stop militias in America. Anthony Lake gave a speech to the Council on Foreign Relations in the fall of 1994 in which he said the chief cornerstone of government policy was to, quote unquote, pit our society against militias.
0: Yeah. Now, I would say to wrap this up a little bit, um, we can just briefly touch on the, the newspaper article and why this was brought up more recently. And that was brought up because essentially, uh, what's the do Trentudo or something Trentado. like that? do the attorney,
1: just remind, yeah, Salt Lake City attorney, yes, who got the security tapes from the Freedom of Information Act.
0: He's trying to basically, uh, for lack of a better words, um, fight the CIA and the FBI for information about the attack, and he's been getting faced with multiple avenues of of red tape people not willing to testify and you're seeing our justice system uh, or I should say injustice system at work. So they're not allowing him to go any further and that's where I think personally this is going to die.
1: When did this article come out that we're about I to talk about? I think
0: still 2021. Okay. I want to say.
1: So the article gets into obviously what Joe mentioned trying to do is like uh, want to kind of uncover the truth, h- yeah. him digging more it into w- this. It had to do with
0: his brother, actually, I well,
1: think. well, yeah, we'll get there. So records describe an FBI program known as the Patriot Conspiracy. um PATCON, Pat Con, a secret operation to infiltrate right-wing and domestic extremist groups, which is what you were talking about. We didn't associate PATCON to it, but you were talking about earlier this this group of operations trying to infiltrate. So that's the official name. So Trenta De- Trenta Deuce, uh says quote, the FBI's real objective in PACCon had been to infiltrate and incite the these fringe groups to violence. And the FBI, of course, declined to comment. Um, do believes that the U.S. government is suppressing surveillance footage of the Oklahoma City bombing that McVeigh was... With,
0: with oh, an yeah, accomplice. Oh, yeah, that McVeigh
1: was with an unidentified accomplice. Yep. So do also believes that this is connected to his brother's murder, Again, from the wiki page because it describes the brother's situation a little bit more. Trentadu became interested in the case when his brother, Kenneth Michael Trentadu, died in federal custody during that during what Trentadu believes was an interrogation because Kenneth was mistaken for a possible conspirator in the Oklahoma City bombing. In a civil suit, the court determined Trentadu's injuries, his brother... Could have been self-inflicted and rejected the Trentadue family that claim that his he was murdered. Of H- course. However, <laughs> the family was awarded one point one million for emotional distress on the findings the Bureau of Prisons mismanaged the investigation and aftermath of Trentadue's death. Here's one point one million dollars. Go shut up.
0: Yeah, that's literally you know what happened, and that's typically so. So, there's
1: Trentadue has even more motivation now to uncover the truth about this.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: So 24 witnesses said they saw McVeigh with someone on the morning of the attack. We mentioned that before, um, none of which were used in the trial. Of course. And the FBI initially looked to the public to help find John, Do- John Doe number two. So there's actual, like you said, news footage of them being like, John here's Doe the number sketch. Here's the sketch. We're trying yeah. to find John Doe number two. Please, if like, anybody oh, shit, has anything. Add oh, Hold a on. bunch of people <laughs> called in. Yeah, that's not real. Yeah. So this was, I thought was interesting from the news article. Secret Service documents state, quote, security videotapes from the area show the truck detonation three minutes and six seconds after the suspects, plural, exited the truck. Right. FBI said that the Secret Service's investigation was riddled with errors. While there were video cameras on the property, they weren't working the day of the attack, according to the U.S. government. False. Secure, Secret Service walked back its memo saying that they never saw any security footage of the Oklahoma City bombing and that some of their conclusions were not confirmed. Again, leading to a trial in 2014. I find it funny that that the Secret Service documents are so damn detailed. They are yeah. down to the second, yeah. three minutes and six seconds. Oh, but yeah. we're riddled with errors. Riddled
0: with, with errors, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just love the finger pointing that the three-letter agencies do to each other. We're like, no, he's wrong. No, and they're like, no, we didn't they're, do it. they're they're wrong. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. But
1: Nichols was actually confirmed not to be in Oklahoma the day of this bombing, leaving John do John Doe number two obviously a mystery. Right. And then the last point I'll cover from this is John Matthews, a retired Marine. And hired as a federal asset throughout the nineties on FBI's PatCon operations. So he became this Joe Ma- John Matthews became infuriated when he saw FBI reports that were given to do that identified him as an informant. Yeah. So Matthews <laughs> told do all about PatCon, yeah. from selling guns to so this is this is do's like inf, uh, look into the FBI because yeah. this John Matthews guy shows pissed. what you get
0: for working with the feds.
1: So Matthew told Trent to do all about Paccon, con from selling guns to domestic extremists for FBI sting operations to sit, sitting on in on meetings by white supremacists about attacking nuclear plant, a nuclear plant in Alabama.
0: And, and just take a second there and understand that what he's talking about is the federal government committing crimes.
1: Yes, and then Matthew like, co- also the, claimed crimes. <laughs> that... Claims to have seen McVeigh in 1994 with a German national named Andy Andrew or Andre Strassmere, yeah. whose name appears again in the CIA records in relations to the Oklahoma City investigation.
0: No way, like it's it's ridiculous. It's and so just,
1: at every single one of these conspiracies. It's always CIA, FBI, ATF.
0: Yes, one hundred percent.
1: They like, might they, as well be the same the same organization. The at this worst
0: point. agencies. Known to man, were are these agencies for for what they do to this country? It's just sad
1: to wrap up like thoughts on this. I do, again, I don't want to take away from the 168 lives that were taken that day, the 600 injured yeah. for probably lifelong injuries sustained. I, it's. Ugh, it's I, again. It's just a, a peek into what lengths the government's willing to go to, yeah. what people are willing to do, aka McVeigh yeah. and Nichols, if he was involved, what they're willing to do to well, and
0: ironically, there agenda. was there was a bomb squad truck parked Across already. The uh, yeah, there the ATF sweep in after like heroes and. You know, it, to be clear, what this is saying, what this conspiracy theory is saying, that these 168 innocent lives that were lost were at the hands of the federal government to basically cover their own asses after royal fuck-ups in, in a few years prior. You know, so that's just something to, to understand and think about. But ultimately, that is going to wrap up this episode back what are we on? Twenty one.
1: I don't remember.
0: Whatever. Twenty one, probably. Thank you, <laughs> thank, thank thank you, you so for much listening. for listening, and thank
1: you for being excited for this episode. we um, we have like a new editing system here. It we be like a lot easier. Yeah, so making editing a lot easier. Um, I, I'm we're hoping to push out more episodes. Um, yeah. Just a little sneak peek into what we will probably be talking about next. Titanic. What? What?
0: What? Are we oh, not? are we? Are we? Oh, God. I don't know. This we'll guy? <laughs> this, this guy? guy. <laughs> I don't... I we'll see. There's your
1: sneak peek, everybody.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what Mary was going to say, but it no, wasn't I wanted No,
1: I wanted to tell people. So we went to... We were in Tennessee two weeks ago in Gatlinburg, yeah. Tennessee. So jealous
0: of you guys that get to live oh, there. Oh, such a cool state.
1: <laughs> it was the best trip yeah. But yeah. we popped over to Asheville North Carolina and visited, visited the
0: Biltmore.
1: The Vanderbilt family built the Biltmore. Yeah. It's just such an interesting story. Turns out there's a bunch of conspiracy behind it's it. It's the Titanic. It's, it's the, the Federal, Federal Reserve. Reserve.
0: All the craziness. And We're we walked
1: it. it. We walked through We're it. We're doing it live. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live.
0: But yes, that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check out those links in the description, and as always, stay tuned for more great content coming soon.